The Paths to Parenthood podcast is designed to support those needing to use a donor to build their family. I'm Becky, also known as Defining Mum, and I'm also the founder of Paths to Parenthood. I'm the mum to three amazing girls, all thanks to egg donation. And I'm Hayley King, the founder of All Things Donor Conception. I'm both a donor-conceived person and, in a twist of fate, the parent of donor-conceived children with my lovely wife. Our aim is to open up conversations about this incredible route to parenthood, focusing on some of the nuances and complexities that it can bring. Our hope is to provide different perspectives, information, reflection and validation as we openly discuss different topics, share stories and ask you for your input. We hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome back to the Path to Parent Hub podcast. Um, I'm Hayley and I've also obviously got the lovely Becky Kearns with me today. So on today's episode we're going to be talking about the theme of genetic loss. Um, It's a theme that comes up quite a lot when it comes to parenting through donor conception, and it's certainly um, a theme that we uh, hear a lot from our members uh, on Paths to Parenthood um, platform and within our community. Um, And for 2024, we're going to be talking about lots of different themes to do with donor conception, but for the month of January, which is where we are now in 2024, it is on genetic loss. And like I say, we're going to be kind of just exploring the theme, um, some of the common topics that come up um, and how we can best handle it as parents and work through some of those feelings and emotions that can come with genetic loss. But I suppose, um, Becky, if I bring you in here, um, just to talk a little bit about what genetic loss actually is um, and how it kind of can present itself uh, within our communities. So, yeah, and I think just to start by saying, I think genetic loss, I think it's really important that we talk about this because it's often something that isn't talked about. And I remember when I went through my own kind of experience, first experience of feeling genetic loss, it wasn't something that anyone spoke about. So I kind of internalized it, didn't quite realize why I was feeling so deeply. And it's only now that I can put into words what that means. And I think genetic loss means something slightly different to everyone, whether you are a recipient parent in a heterosexual couple, uh, whether you are a recipient parent within the same sex couple, um, there might be loss involved if you're going down a solo parenthood route. um, And also as a donor conceived person as well. And I think there is that loss of genetics when it comes to donor conception, there's an unknown. And I think what I tried to do I think it was last year I reshared it, but I did a post once where I spoke about what it meant to me as a woman who married to a man and then suddenly realized that I wasn't able to use my eggs um, to have a child. And, And I think the way I described it was that until you're unable to conceive with your own genetics, I don't think it's something you'd ever give a second thought to. And I know that's different for the LGBTQ plus community. But for for me, I'd never really considered that that might be something that I would lose. I'd always thought that I would pass on my DNA and I'd leave what would be my legacy on this earth through my children and they would then pass on their DNA. And it was just one of those things that I always thought was a given. And so the loss of that, came as a massive shock for me and Mm. I think I couldn't quite work out why I was feeling it's not tangible so I hadn't physically lost anything but I, I felt so deeply about it and it was that whole feeling of kind of visually not being able to see myself in my child and not having that mini me that I always thought I would have um I people always comment on how much I'm like my mum I am 
like a real mini me of my mom. And so I just always imagined that that would be the case. So it was almost like this dream, this future I'd always imagined had suddenly become really distorted and wasn't what I thought I was going to have. And it took real time. And I think it's been a real process to process that grief and realize that actually there is so much more to motherhood than the sharing of DNA. And it's it's more about the doing rather than that. But it was it was a real transition. It was a real shift. And I know for many people, especially in those early days where you find out that you you can no longer have a genetic child, you are unable to have a biological child, you are unable to conceive in the way you thought you were able to, it can be life altering and and kind of really, really knock you off your feet. And so this is why I think it's really important to talk about this. But I also think it's really important with the resources we've got in Paths to Parenthood to provide people with some professional guidance around it so we have perinatal psychologist Julianne Boutaleb who shares such words of wisdom about this um I think the validation is hugely important as well that what you're feeling is real you're not the only one there are other people out there um and I think that connection with others who understand because I think it's very much like the whole I know people say infertility you don't really understand it until you've been through it if you're going through IVF for example I really don't think you understand this is like another layer to it having to say goodbye to your genetics and having to as Julianne puts it welcome in somebody else's genetics into your family so and I think just finally because I, I want to ask you Haley, about your experience from your own perspective both as a recipient parent and a donor conceived person but I think it's something that it lives on it doesn't ever fully go away and I think that's something that you have to acknowledge um but it definitely shifts and for me it has um popped up in the kind of different situations which we'll talk about but it no longer kind of hits me in the way that it once did because I look at the girls and I think I wouldn't have you if I hadn't have had to go through that loss and so that loss has kind of led to something um but equally, I think it's really important as a parent for me to acknowledge that they too have a, a, a missing part in terms of understanding their own genetics. And they too might also feel a loss in not sharing genetics with me. And that was something I hadn't really considered kind of before. But in some conversations with the girls, they've kind of gone, oh, I want, I want you, I wanted your eggs to work and I wanted to be from your eggs, mummy. And so that I think it's so important that we do this, we talk about this, we get that validation, we support ourselves through it because there's no doubt going to be some conversations with our children in the future and we want to be in that very best position to support and empathise with them as well. So, I mean, there are so many different responses to this and there's a, I know from a post that we shared with the Fertiliati picture on Instagram, if you've not seen it, have a look on um on my feed but there were people saying I've not really felt this at all through to people going yes I'm feeling this really deeply now and I think it's really important to acknowledge there's a spectrum of different responses when it comes to this and different depths of feeling and there's not a right way or a wrong way but I Mm. think it's acknowledging that everybody's different but actually this is a common theme that comes out in a lot of conversations that I have about donor conception so Hayley for you what what's your experience been Um, I think from someone who, for those of you that don't know, I'm in a gay relationship, married to a woman, um, and knowing that I was gay from quite a young age, I think I kind of almost ruled out having children um, back when I sort of 
was thinking about my sexuality and things like that in the 90s, it was kind of not really uh, commonplace, I think, or not in my world anyway, to, to see parents, gay parents having, you know, gay people having children. So I kind of almost kind of put a line uh, under that kind of path of my life. Um, and it was only later then when um, I met my wife and we started talking about the options options of children and that there were opportunities for us, us to have a family using um, a sperm donor. And actually, I think, although I know genetic loss is quite prominent for a lot of people, I hadn't really um, experienced much loss, I suppose, up to that point, because I, I never considered that I'd be able to have children. And I think... Yeah almost like a direct comparison maybe to yourself, Becky, um, like maybe growing up thinking that you would have children, you know, have, yeah. have the marriage and get married to a man and have a baby together. I suppose my kind of growing up experience and imagining into the future was very different. So maybe that's where the kind of, um, mm. there, there is a little bit of discrepancy there. But I do think that actually, even in LGBTQ plus families, um, there, there is sometimes a genetic loss depending on the circumstance. Um, but for me, I suppose, if I'm talking from our personal level, although there was a great level of excitement that we could actually have a family, you know, we walked into a fertility clinic feeling optimistic and we hadn't had, you know, rounds of, you know, failed uh, tries at home or anything like that, like where obviously a lot of couples may have done in a, in a heterosexual relationship. But I suppose for us, it wasn't so much a loss, but almost um, a loss in a different way that we couldn't make a baby together with both of our yeah. genetics. And I suppose that's for us where maybe, or for me anyway, where there was an element of loss that we couldn't do that or frustration or upset that we couldn't, um, couldn't have been able to mm. do it, um, you know, naturally in quotes at home. Um, but yeah, like I say, I, I just think it's a very interesting topic. And like you quite rightly pointed out, I think working within the community now with parents from all types of families, I think the theme of genetic loss does crop up in different forms, mm. in different strengths. Uh, depending on where people are in their journey. And and also it doesn't discriminate against um, just because you're in an LGBTQ family doesn't mean that you won't experience genetic loss. So, yeah, I, mean, I suppose it's, um, it's, it's, it's multifaceted, isn't it, in, in that sense? Yeah. And it's, it's been great to kind of unpick some of the themes, I think, through um, the resources and the support that we've got on Pass the Parent Hub. And like you say, you mentioned the post, didn't you, Becky? And it was quite evident, actually, that how yeah. how there was a spectrum wasn't there of how people felt yeah so yeah yeah absolutely and so what about your experience as a donor conceived person Hayley because obviously that's yeah. something that that there is a loss there and obviously you found out later on in life so there was that feeling of a lost genetic connection with your dad yeah and I think it was only upon reflection really that when we've talked about these subjects that actually I, I can mm. see I actually yeah there was a loss there in 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 a form of the fact that I suppose I had grown up thinking that my dad was genetically related to me. So when I had the information that he wasn't, there was a loss and a mm. grief there uh, with that discovery. Um, not only because of um, being told one thing and then finding out another, but actually realizing that um, kind of my dad's heritage line, if you like, so my granddad even, there was a loss there. Mm. So I used to think that there were certain things that I maybe had um, inherited or whatever from from my grandfather who I was very close to so there was certainly a loss in in reverse and I even to the point that when I was told the truth um, I went down the path of actually doing a straightforward paternity mm. test with my dad just to make sure 100% because there was that element that I wanted him to yeah. be my genetic father so yeah I do think that um, it's fair to say certainly 
um, in my experience, I felt genetic loss in the reverse scenario. Um, yeah. And like you say, with our own donor conceived children, um, I think that those topics may come up um, at occasions, like you say, with the girls saying that wish we're from mummy's eggs. And um, I've heard lots of other parents have similar conversations with their children um, as well. So it's like I say, it can it can happen in, in different scenarios. Um, but I think it's helpful to talk about them because sometimes yeah. like our chats with our children, if it was to come up, it might catch us off guard a little bit, isn't it? Um, I mean, they may never happen, those, those chats, but if they, if they do, it's, I think it is quite helpful to um, hear the different yeah. scenarios that it can happen in, yeah. And I think it's that it's another reason why telling them early and practising when they're young and, and kind of making sure that they understand what their conception story is in an age-appropriate way over time, it kind of takes away that that kind of shock and immediate feeling of loss that you probably mm. had um, when you were kind of suddenly finding out that you didn't have that link with your dad that you thought you had. And and yeah. so as, as hard as it, it sometimes is to sort of say to the girls, no, we don't share genetics, we don't share that link, I feel like what I'm trying to do is kind of usualize that with them so that it's something that they've always known mm. um, and it doesn't mean that they won't still feel lost around that but I think it's trying to to support them through it in in a kind of a different way but um but yeah it, it is complex there's so many different emotions when you're going through this and and I know now as a parent and like Mila's seven and a half and Esquilena are five and there can be huge stretches of time where it doesn't even cross my mind at all but there are certain scenarios where it can crop up and I think it's important that we kind of just touch on some of these and we will be delving a bit deeper into these as part of our webinar I think it's on the 24th of January um, where we're talking about resemblance talk and, and how to handle that within paths to parenthood but I think the first kind of scenario that and the most common scenario that came up when I asked in my Instagram stories was around resemblance talk so different comments such as oh either they look like you when mm. they're not genetically related to you but they look like you or or they don't look like you or oh where do they get their red hair from or in my own situation um where do they get their curls from your hair's not curly and and so it's those comparisons and those questions those co like really innocent comments that can sometimes just remind you it's not yeah. from you yeah and I think that's one of the things that we tried to get across in that in that recent post that that can cross your mind and it can be that moment of a pang of pain but we learn how to deal with those things and actually I think the further I've got along in the parenting journey I've I've really tried to embrace their differences and celebrate their differences and kind of I, I wouldn't change any of those things about them because they wouldn't be who they are now but I think for many people, resemblance talk is a big kind of topic, and I don't know whether you've you've had that, Haley. Yeah, well, obviously we we've had it quite a lot, and sometimes you're not quite sure whether. I mean, a lot of the time the comment isn't meant to be offensive, or someone said something. It's purely sometimes. It's just how we make conversation. I think with other people, mm. certainly maybe people that we don't know very well. Obviously, it can happen in, in close families and the chat around resemblance talk 
does happen but even just random people in the supermarket I've had it um I've I had it the other day actually it was like oh your your little boy he he looks um he looks just like you but your little girl must look like her dad <laughs> I've had that you know you know I'm like actually yeah <laughs> but I mean that's you know we've got a couple of things going on there in that conversation in, in terms of making yeah. assumptions of our family but the actual it's just that was just that was a purely innocent lady at the checkout mm. making conversation the kids are a bit like cranky because they want to eat something that I've just purchased through the supermarket you know on the checkout so she's just trying to kind of distract a little bit and it was purely innocent but I suppose if you're getting those com- those um questions and they do catch you off guard and you don't know how to answer them it, it can be it can be upsetting in in some instances yeah. um but yeah I suppose it's just uh acknowledging that I think the other thing within our society um there is maybe a deeper level to some of these conversations and I do think that there is um an element still within our society that people associate looks um, with mm. obviously genetic relatedness and with kinship. And there's a whole, you know, a- another level there. Um, and, and people still associate that kind of authenticity with a genetic link. Um, yeah. So I think that's yeah. why it can make us feel quite uncomfortable sometimes because we know that there isn't yeah. a genetic link there and that can maybe feel as, like our family's being invalidated as a result of that. Yeah. So I think there's all these kind of undertones. Um, and then when you throw things like genetic loss and unresolved grief relation to that, it can be a bit of a perfect storm for us as parents, like trying, trying to manage those situations. Um, but uh, like I say, I'm looking forward to the the webinar that we're going to do next week. Cause I think um, we're going to be, really focusing on resilience around those questions and mm-hmm. how we can how we can handle them and how we can be honest and 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 be true to ourselves in our responses but also um yeah kind of bat mm. them off a little bit as well in the in the same breath yeah. so I'm really looking forward to that and hearing yeah. what Julianne uh, has to say about yes. those scenarios as well from a sort of professional standpoint so yeah I also think from resemblance talk as well it's about role modeling to our kids because quite often those comments yeah. are made in the presence of our kids exactly and how do we handle that and what do they get from that so there's so much within that um but I think just looking at some of the other themes that came through and I'm sure people maybe nodding their heads around these and I think this is one in particular that I have felt is um so the comparisons with the partner who does share genetics so don't they look like their dad and they they all do resemble Matt um and that was sometimes my deflection um but then also in in different ways comparisons with partners I think somebody actually said um I feel that genetic loss if my baby seems more excited to see my partner than they do me yeah and that is it I think it can play in certain things and I've had scenarios where I've I've been looking after the girls on my own Matt's been away and they they're all getting a bit upset and overtired and they've gone but I want daddy and suddenly it does hurt because as a parent anyway you go hold on a minute I'm here I want to be there for you but the instant thing is like I velcroed it onto the donor conception oh is that Mm. to do with the fact that I'm not genetically related to them which is absolutely not the case at all but I do think in those sort of scenarios we do try and attach it to the genetic loss and go, oh, is there mm-hmm. another reason for that? Whereas actually kids are like that. They often want me when I'm when I'm not there. And and so it's just one of those things. I think sometimes you second guess yourself. Um, and I think it's that little bit of grief in the background that keeps popping up yeah. at times where it does make you. And I think you worry that you might not be seen as a legitimate parent. You might not 
feel like the legitimate parent, but you are, you are, because you are the one doing the parenting. But there's so many, I think it all comes back to like society. We're talking about these resemblance talk comments and that feeling of you should look like your parents Mm -hmm. is, it's so deeply ingrained in, in everything that it's really hard to pull yourself away from. And I think at times you can be pulled back into, or maybe this is what it should be like. And, and Mm. yeah, it's just, it can be really difficult and it can catch you off guard in those scenarios. Yeah. And I think that's why, I mean, I don't know about you, Becky, but I've seen um, people make huge shifts actually in, in how they think about this topic of genetic loss when they're, you know, talking with other people about this situation. Because I think sometimes it can be a bit lonely, can't it? If you, you're having mm. these conversations happen or you're feeling a bit insecure or, um, or or any of these things, but actually hearing other stories that actually I'm not the only one that feels like this. It's actually quite a normal thing to go through. And, yeah. and also seeing people a bit further ahead, I think maybe um, that have maybe at one point really struggled with yeah. genetic loss or... Um, you know that those feelings but actually seeing that you can work through them and and in many cases I, I don't know it, it almost like can go from a genetic loss into a into a genetic gain like in some ways like you get yeah. you actually realize that you're gaining a lot more as a parent through donor conception you know you've now got a wonderful family and all these amazing things that you've been able to do um, as a family yeah. unit that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't have used um, a, a yeah. donor um, but being able to see that is really hard when you're in the trenches, isn't it? Um, so I think yeah, that's another reason why it is. we're big advocates, aren't we, about talking about these situations and providing the support and things through through the membership for, for, for people to kind of help them through that process. So, Yeah, and I always, I think one of the, the phrases that I've used in the past on reflection is I've, I've gained so much more in what I've lost. Yes. And I absolutely have. Um, so, and, and that's why it's so complex because you're mm. talking about such joy and like alongside such grief as well I think mm-hmm. like my biggest joys and my biggest griefs have been on this journey like it's it's very hard that one journey can like have caused so much grief yet now so much joy and so it's it can be hard to sit with both emotions and and think about things but I think the message I really want to get across is that these feelings are completely normal and it is fine for them to coexist and they will ebb and flow over time. And I think that's one of the things we we really try and work through over on Paths to Parenthood. And Julianne always gives some amazing words of wisdom when we're talking about these particular topics. Um, But just to touch briefly on some of the other points that were raised by people when I, I put this in my Instagram stories um, there was a real real feeling of genetic loss with our parents as well mm. um, so with someone whose mum had sadly passed away and grieving that they won't see her in their child um, and so that can also lay heavy I think on on us as parents as well um, there was someone else who said they they really felt their genetic loss when the nurse at the clinic was telling her how beautiful slim and outgoing our donor is and yeah. suddenly that feeling of comparison with the donor as well and the fact that they are providing the thing that you can't and you feel that loss again um and i think another one which i think again i have definitely felt is that baby talk with friends you know where i remember one friend in particular and it was during the pandemic and she was having her first and we did a little baby shower on zoom and this was 
after I was a parent, but there was a whole 10 minute discussion around who the baby was going to look like. Yeah. And I remember sitting there, like just feeling a little bit like the odd one out. And just, it was just that reminder of, I haven't been able to have that kind of thought process around, I wonder um, what they'll get from me. And so I think it's things like that. They're so innocent and it's, it's things that people talk about, but often without realizing that that can have a bit of an impact on on you if you are kind of struggling um with genetic loss and I think when others comment on how much their kids look like them or they're just they're my mini me or they just look like me I think again they're just little moments where we might feel um that difference I suppose yeah and it's hard I think because like you say we're almost conditioned a little bit I I don't think people realize how much within our society is conditioned a little bit Mm. like you're talking about your friend there like that whole because um, I suppose it is something that everyone always does talk about, isn't it? Who the baby's going to look like, yeah. who they're going to take after. And of course, it's not all predetermined by genetics either. Our kids are going to grow yeah. into their own little people. And I don't think there's enough chat about that either. Like the other side of it, yeah. you know, that we can, um, you know, I look at my relationship with my dad, like the nurture side, like there are no doubt there's so many things that I've done in my life or careers that I've um, gone, you know, gone for or, or things that I've been interested in because of the relationship I've got with my dad and his interests. Um, of course, there's huge things that can be determined from, from genetics, but actually there's lots of things that can be determined through nurture. But we don't, I don't know, I think we're only maybe white, started doing that recent, you know, in recent years, I think, in recent decades. I think historically, um, you know, there, there's always been this kind of fascination, um, you know, and I've been included in that in my own fascination with, you know, with uh, Jonathan's side, my um, parents' mm. firm, don't it? You know, so it, it is hard and it is complex, but um like I say, I think it's just helpful to have these conversations and maybe, um, yeah, yeah, like you're not the only one that that, that feels like yeah. if you are struggling with some of these scenarios and questions that come up. So Definitely. And I think it's also preparing yourself for these little instances as well. And I think one of the other ones that came out was around um, medical appointments. So being asked for medical yeah. history, always a bit of a moment where you think, oh, right, okay, I've got to mm. explain here. Um, there's often, there's well, there's never a, a box to tick to say that they're donor conceived. So um, whether you're at the doctors, the dentist, even at the opticians, I've found being asked about, is there a history of mm. um, eye conditions? And again, it's that having to have that conversation as well. And I think that's that reminder that it's not your medical history that you can share. So it's, I think it is something that comes up probably more often than I might have thought about at the very beginning, not all the time, but it is those scenarios where I think if we can reflect on this and be prepared that when we are taking our child to the doctors or the dentist or the opticians, that we're we're ready that that question is going to come up and, and we can start to, like we say, with the webinar we've got um, later on this month, build that resilience around being able to answer those questions and how we do that. Because um, I think that's really important as well. I think it's, it's that supporting ourselves to be able to best support them, isn't it? And preparing ourselves for yeah. different scenarios. Yeah. And like you said, well, I'm really looking forward to having that chat, but we, we've um, just something, if someone is interested in the, um, uh, b- before that webinar, we've come across a really great article, haven't we online? I actually came across it only yesterday mm. and I kind of stumbled down it. I stumbled on it whilst down another rabbit hole for something else, but that's, that's just my brain. But uh, it's, it's called navigating comments about your donor conceived child's resemblance, a guide to responding. And it's actually, um, I say it was it's actually like a blog 
uh, post article um, written by Family to Co, which is part of Co-Fertility. So um, I'm not going to read it all out, but there's some really great examples of um, how you can respond to some of these questions. And it does touch on genetic loss and maybe why, again, going back to why mm. these resemblance chats sort of does... Um, uh, you know, make us feel it can make us feel uncomfortable because it relates back to the, the feelings of loss and things like that. So we'll pop the the article in the um, in the show notes to this podcast because I'm sure people listening um, will find that helpful. And then obviously, if you are interested in joining us, and if you're in time, if you're listening to this um, in real time as such, uh, definitely come join us for the the webinar which we're, we're hosting next week, which is we're, we're specifically focusing on this topic, aren't we? So. Yes. Yeah. So it's on the 24th of January at 8 p.m. UK time, um, but it will be recorded for all members yeah. as well, as are all our previous um, webinars. So we, we already have a number of webinars um, around genetic loss and dealing with ge- genetic loss um, that are available for people to watch or they can listen to like a podcast. Um, and yeah, it's just there to offer you that space to reflect and to feel validated and to feel supported. And also there's the amazing community, um, which is private. You can speak with others and just really find that support that you need um, on this path. Because I don't actually think these types of things have really been talked about very much in the past. And it still astounds me that it hasn't. But I'm really pleased that we're able to to use this platform to to open up that conversation. And as always, we would love to hear from you and your own experiences. Um, we're always... Uh, open within our dms uh, so do get in touch so i'm at defining mum and Haley, you're at dcp journey to rp not the easiest one to remember but you'll no, find we'll me there pop it in the show notes or, or over over obviously on paths to parent hub um both of us uh like i say we're more than happy to have uh comments or, or messages um and definitely if there's anything that you think that we've missed out today when it comes to this topic um definitely get in touch and let us know um we'd love to hear from you yeah. And we're going to have lots more topics coming up this year. So we're talking about communicating with partners, talking to your child, choosing your donor, reflecting on your donor. We've got so many different topics. So you'll be hearing from us throughout the year. And um, yeah, just really grateful to everyone who has liked and shared what we do. Um, please do leave a review and a rating on wherever you listen to your podcasts, because that really helps other people to find this. We'd be really appreciative. So uh yeah, I think that's it from us today. We've kept it below the 30 minutes, Haley, which I'm very proud of. We, we do not like to talk at times, don't we? But uh, <laughs> I just say it was quite, we've done quite well today because it's a, it's a big topic, isn't it? And topic. I think there's, there's yeah. a lot of things, you know, like we could probably talk for hours and hours and hours, but I think we've, we've done our best to kind of summarize the key themes, but um, there's definitely more, more to this topic than the 30 minutes that we've been, hopefully we've been able to do it reasonable justice, but there's a lot more, com- you know, complexities to this topic. So definitely, um, like, like Becky recommended, head over to our um, community membership on Path to Parenthood because there's so much more there. So many more um, lived experience stories too because I think sometimes that can be helpful. Um, obviously, you've heard Becky and I talk a little bit about our experiences today, but uh, we, we've got, I, I think in most of the talks that we've we've covered on the hub, I mean, we've got dozens yeah. of live chats with real-life people from all different types of family setups, but genetic loss does... Um, in most cases get touched on within those talks so definitely um if you remember check those out because i think it can be really helpful um because i've no doubt that within those chats you'll find someone that maybe looks like you or um 
is it looks like your family um and you can you can relate to that so yeah definitely um head over there and have a look but it's been great to talk again becky as always thanks for listening <laughs> take, take care, care.